the, when, when we pledge allegiance to the flag, we say, with freedom and justice for all. Mm-hmm. And that is a, an ideal which has not even close to being met. And it's, I love the ideal, and I'm happy to uh, give serve, you know, speak the ideal. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, there also needs to be places where we say, this ideal is not true. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Uh, I both love and hate football, but but I wanted to talk about um, an old controversy that that in discussions for me recently has come up again, and that is uh-huh. uh, people, players who kneel during the national anthem of NFL games. Right. You remember Colin Kaepernick when he, uh, I, do. I think he was the first one to do that. He was. That yeah. was years ago um, now. Caused but, quite a stir. Yeah, and that's, mm-hmm. but it's still a big deal. And then it, it got maybe even more complicated when President Trump said that, that people, that, uh, they should not allow owners. Owners should not allow players to do that. Uh-huh. And if it got more coverage that way, I'm not sure. I haven't watched an NFL game yet this year, uh, but I, I, that kind of stuff is still happening. I think, mm-hmm. and it's still a controversy. Yeah. What do you think about players kneeling during the national anthem? Yeah. Instead of standing in respect. So I um, was talking to a guy who was clearly opposed to this. Clearly opposed to kneeling okay. and, uh-huh. and thought it was just horribly disrespectful. Yeah. And I asked, well, um, do you know why they do that? Mm. No answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they, they're protesting something, right? What are they protesting? Mm-hmm. No answer. Um, and I know for me, given the, the number of people who have died for the flag, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the, for the, the experiment of democracy yes. uh, for, for America yes. and our freedoms, I could not kneel. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, although I, I understand why this is happening. Okay. And I'm not terribly offended by it like some other folks I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course, uh, have heard that he asked uh, some people in the military what would yes. be a respectful way. Yes. To, to, to make a social commentary. At You're this talking moment. about Colin Kaepernick, yes, the player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so kneeling was not meant to be a, a disrespect. Um, yeah, originally, but, I don't know if it's changed since then. My understanding is that he was planning to sit um, on the bench and not move mm-hmm. during it, and it was a veteran or maybe a group of veterans yeah. that he talked to that said, you know, maybe a better way to do it would be to kneel. Mm-hmm. Is to move to to kneel because you can kneel respectfully is what they said, right? Um, but it is obviously still a protest, and so it was veterans that convinced him to kneel instead of sit, and he did, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as like a, uh, I mean, a football team is like a is like a private company, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and you work for a company that makes you get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I right? do. Yes, yeah. I do. And um, I think if you work for a private company and, and the owner allows that, that's, you know, his business. And, mm-hmm. if, and if he doesn't, um, then I guess you either can play for a different team or you can respect the owner's 
wishes in that. Makes sense. Um, and so uh, I don't think there should be a league-wide decree. Um, you know, But the league is, is a private a, company? Yeah, it is. Um, okay, but there's a difference between you saying, I suppose, I don't want to put words in your mouth, between you saying there shouldn't be and it should be forced not to be. Right? You're not, you're not saying that, well, I don't know. Are you saying that uh, that the government should force them to do one thing or another, the league to do one thing or another? No. Okay. I don't think the government has any say in it. But you at can still all. agree or disagree. You can still agree or disagree with with the league who says this is our rule, and you can say, "Well, I don't want. I think that's a dumb rule." Yeah, I mean, I um, yeah. the, the freedom of speech. I think is. I don't want the government saying you can't do this. You you have to do this or you have to do right, that. Right. right, right. I, I want those freedoms. Sure. And, uh, um, left for all of us to, but. Private companies are different. Of course, when you're talking about a football league, it's it's I guess it's a it's bigger and more public than just an individual team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know where where we or I or where you would draw the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying I don't. Uh, if if a particular owner says you can't kneel during, you know, he's basically telling his employees yeah. you you need to do this or you need to get a vaccine. You you know, like this this right. is this is how we do this it. This is how we run the show, and right. this is, you're right. going to comply. Or you're going to go somewhere else. You got to show up at eight a.m. or you're right. going to go somewhere else. You're going to go to practice, and you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's part of the agreement. You got to fill out this. You got to fill out your uh, TPS report. Um, that's right. Yeah. Did you get the memo? <laughs> I can send the memo to you again. I got the memo. <laughs> I'll go ahead and have him copy the memo over to you. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that you got that memo right 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 um so that uh, you know that i guess i don't have a lot of strong feelings about this i totally understand why people are kneeling and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't bother me i don't feel like it's i know that i wouldn't okay kneel um and yet i can understand why other people would and i don't yeah yeah so if you were on a team um I know that you were really close to uh, the NFL draft and, and uh, that you were going to be a football player. Um, <laughs> so let's say you had gotten drafted. Uh, what team would you want to be on? Uh, oh, I grew up watching the Redskins. Okay. And they're All not right. the Redskins anymore. No, they're an unnamed team, right? Yeah, Do, well, is there a name the yet? The Washington football team. The Washington football team. But no. are they going to name the team? I have not gotten any late yeah. news on that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so you, watch, you grew up watching the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would want to play for the Redskins? Um, yeah, I guess so. Okay, so I mean, let's say you were on you you played for the Redskins, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, you were the punter, the kicker, right? Okay, and uh, you had a teammate that was kneeling during, so you would not kneel during the national anthem, right? But you had a teammate that was kneeling during the national anthem. You're saying that you would have no problem with that? I don't think so. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think there are valid reasons for the protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you could make an argument in any direction. Yeah. And some people say that, that, uh, be that as it, as it may, we need to be united and we need to support Mm -hmm. the country and Mm -hmm. the flag Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. it represents. And others are saying, yeah, it's been like a couple hundred years and I'm still struggling to feel like part of the, the society uh, and the freedoms that have, have been written in the constitution were, were for white folk. Yeah. Um, and there, it's true for black folk today as well, mm-hmm. um, but it obviously wasn't always that way. Right. And there's still long-reaching implications and things that, that I think the majority culture doesn't even understand or know because it's, that's the way it's always been for them. Sure. Um, they're, they're not aware mm-hmm. of some of the struggles 
Um, mm-hmm. There's still all kinds of economic burdens and long-reaching implications from sure. our history. Sure, yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot to that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy for um, a white person who doesn't understand any of that and maybe has had all these benefits mm-hmm. um, and doesn't understand privilege mm-hmm. to sit back and say they're they're showing dis- disrespect and that, you know, uh, it could be so much worse. Mm-hmm. You can always make that argument. Yeah, you can always, uh, but you can argue in the other direction as well and say, "Well, I'm not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to show respect, mm-hmm. but um, also I'm trying to bring awareness to something yeah. that where I feel disrespected, mm-hmm. where my people and my history has been disrespected." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, you know, you want to talk yeah. about? Yeah, it my, seems to me that part of the problem, uh, not the entire problem, but part of the problem is uh, that we have different meanings for the symbols. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a conversation happening completely symbolically. Yeah. And, we, and different people are putting different meaning into the symbols, right? If you, if you have a different word, if you have a word that means one thing in one language and another thing in another language, and you have people that disagree over the meaning of that word, well, the, the word is just a symbol of something. It reminds me a little bit of when it, my my first car that I bought was a Chevy Nova, mm-hmm. which was a repurposed, repackaged uh, Toyota Corolla. It was an old, an '88 uh, mm-hmm. Nova. Do you know what Nova means in Spanish? Uh, I'm it's two guess. words: Nova. No, I don't. It means doesn't go. <laughs> it's a no, and then va means to go or uh-huh. in going, and so. Uh, you know, in, in English, it's a great, sure, Nova, that's that's a nice uh, mm-hmm. uh, word. But then they tried to sell it as the Chevy Nova in Spanish-speaking countries, and it didn't sell well because the car yeah. was named, it won't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same word symbolizes two totally different things to these two different groups of people. Right. And so kneeling for the flag for one person or for one group of people I think it means something different than it does for another. I've talked to people who say that when someone kneels for the flag, they're disrespecting the veterans and the people who have died for that flag. But then I've talked to people who support kneeling for the flag, and when they I say, what does it mean? They don't say anything about veterans. They're not trying mm-hmm. to disrespect veterans at all. Uh, and then, then on the other side, people say, well, it doesn't matter if you're trying to disrespect veterans. You are disrespecting veterans. Mm-hmm. But it's... I mean, the disrespect, you're not punching a veteran. You're not, um, you know, uh, spitting on a veteran or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kneeling for the flag. And so what does it mean? And in fact, I think people who do kneel for the flag, as I've heard them, they've said things like, I'm trying to call us to a higher ideal of what the flag absolutely represents. Mm-hmm. That I believe in the flag, and that's why I'm kneeling for it, because we are failing to meet the high ideals of the flag. Right. Lots of African Americans are veterans. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I don't think that the, that the African Americans players who are kneeling for the flag are trying to disrespect the African American veterans or any mm-hmm. veterans. I can also see where that would be the take home message. Sure, the veterans, you know, has has fought under this flag and suffered and lost comrades, mm-hmm. which sounds Russian, but you know, brothers and arms. Yeah, sure. Uh, mm-hmm under the flag and, and its symbolism as a country. And then it, this feels very uh, unwelcoming disrespect or, or just a, a, you, you weren't there fighting this battle. You've, you've been living, you know, to, to quote a few good men, 
under the blanket of freedom in which I provide and then question the manner in which I provide it. <laughs> right. I'd just rather you say thank you and be on your way. I could quote a few good men. I could keep on going. But, yeah, that's a good movie. Um, yeah. Uh, either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, it's just, an, yet again, another miscommunication and yeah. misunderstanding where assumptions come in. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're you know... Th- this is what you're doing, right? X, Y, and Z. Well, no, it's not what I'm doing. Well, I don't care what you say. This is what mm-hmm. this is. I'm telling you what you're doing. Well, mm-hmm. you're not the one who who defines this, right? Th- this, especially when it comes to symbols. Mm-hmm. There's not so the act of kneeling has no words associated with it. The flag has no words associated with. I mean, not directly anyway, mm-hmm. right? There are people who talk about the flag. There are people who right. talk about kneeling, whatever. But the the flag and the act of kneeling, neither of them are verbal, and so they're completely symbols, and they can mean mm-hmm. different things to different people. And that misunderstanding is very difficult, especially when we refuse to listen to how people are interpreting it. Yeah. I do think that, that everybody ought to have gratitude. Yes. Gratitude for our freedoms and the sacrifices that have been yes. made. Gratitude for the Constitution and the, the good ideas that are yes. there. Um, gratitude for so many great things yes. that we have, and and a lack of gratitude, I think is is a horrible sin. Yes, um, and so if that's if that's what people think is happening, then of course they're upset. Yes, of course they're emotional. Yes, um, and if, yes, things could be so much worse, and we have it so well, and yes. we and I, that's true for any circumstance. Yes, there's you always need to check your perspective. Correct. Because you can paint a picture that is so bleak mm-hmm. and dark and depressing, mm-hmm. um, and and it may you may be living a very charmed life mm-hmm. compared to the rest of humanity mm-hmm. in history. I think most of us in the United States are. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and and we really need to learn as people to choose gratitude, to look on uh, the, the the bright side, and and see all the benefits and all the ways that that God has provided, all the yes. ways that, that things are good. Yes. And celebrate those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we can't ignore where people are being overlooked and injustices have occurred and people are continuing to suffer. It's like, that, that is not the America that I want to be in either. Right. Like, freedom needs to be, you know, for everyone. That's right. It's um, the, when, when we pledge allegiance to the flag, we say with freedom and justice for all. Mm-hmm. And that is is a, an ideal which has not even close to being met. And it's, I love the ideal, and I'm happy to uh, give serve, you know, speak the ideal, mm-hmm. but I think it's, there also needs to be places where we say, this ideal is not true. This country has been in process. Yes. Um, as all are, mm-hmm. as any development, as, you know, any human yes. should be dynamic and in process. Yes. Uh, so we're all a work in, 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 in this process. The country is getting better in certain ways mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. has been, mm-hmm. um, although history is slow. Yes. And for those who are being mistreated, it's yes. painfully slow. Yes. Um, and that's, that's a reality yes. throughout all of history and mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. You know, nation and paradigm. It, it always takes longer and more mm-hmm. suffering than, than it ought to have. Right. Um, but we... That's to say, we need to continue that yeah. that growth. Yes, we need to continue to progress. That's um, right to to the ideal, 
And the only way to progress to the ideal, I think, is to change things. And the only way we will change things if we rec- is if we recognize mm-hmm. uh, and are aware that the ideal is not met. And right. so we always need voices saying, the I- let's be grat- grateful for what we have and the ideal, we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back years ago, I guess it was during Vietnam when people were burning the flag. Um, I remember um, soldiers and others saying, I don't think you should do that, and this is an evil thing that you're doing, and I will defend your freedom to do that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's not what uh, conservative folks are saying anymore. Mm -hmm. They're saying, uh, you, you need to stand and salute like everybody else. And uh, I think I'm with you. I think I would stand. I think I would stand. I'm not positive, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that we need uh, we need both. We need pe- we need to be grateful, like you say, especially yeah. for the sacrifice of our veterans, and for the sacrifice of others as well who have given their lives in various ways. This is uh, a land of opportunity. Absolutely, we have great freedoms. People all over the world want to be here for good reason. For good reasons. Yes, absolutely, yes. and. The inequality and lack of justice and lack of mercy that is that just characterizes the American experiment from the very beginning, uh, we need to recognize, and we are getting better, but it, we're not we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet, and so anytime that ideal is put up, I, I'm I think it's worthwhile to say, look at this ideal and how far we've come, and we're not there yet. Let's keep going. You know, I think what makes this more complicated mm-hmm. is the whole. Uh, the spoiled mentality mm-hmm. um, and people complaining and not being grateful. They, 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 how do you, in other words, if, if uh, you have a, a child who's sexually abused, mm-hmm. would you say, oh, st- stop being an ingrate? Yeah. You know, like that, that's, that would be terrible. Yeah, of course. A, a horrible response yes. to that crime. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a, uh, there's a, re- there's an outcry, mm-hmm. a public outcry mm-hmm. from LeBron James in the NBA mm-hmm. and others in, in various sports. Uh, to say there is injustice happening, this has mm-hmm. been ignored, mm-hmm. nothing's being done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, p- progress has been made, significant yes. progress, and it's oh, going to yeah. continue. Uh, and we need to keep drawing attention to that. Mm-hmm. But I can see that there's also a, um, uh, when do you, when is the pendulum swung too far, mm-hmm. right? When are you throwing mm-hmm. the baby out with the bathwater? Mm-hmm. And and because that always happens too. Sure, if, sure. If there's any kind of reaction in history, the pendulum swings too far. Sure. And we overstate things. Yes. And then the people who are who who are challenged by this mm-hmm. see the overstatement and are reactionary to that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's hard to make any any progress. Yeah. Um and it's like if if you're really quiet about your voice, it doesn't get heard. Mm-hmm. And when you overstate it, then there's this this reactionary pendulum swing and yeah. it, and uh, there's conflict and polarization and um tell tell me what's the best way yeah, right. to to protest right. to to make progress without prompting a reaction because you've overstated your case. Mm-hmm. Um you know a lot of a lot of things that I've seen in the media uh, I wasn't well convinced mm-hmm. um, when when the hey this is an example of um, police brutality for example hmm. there were lots of these before uh, George Floyd that just weren't that convincing or compelling mm-hmm. um, and there's there's always some indication that someone was doing something very wrong and yeah. then not complying with the police right and what it what it takes for me is is to know so many black folks who have said no listen to me as your friend I'm telling you I have been treated. Mm-hmm. 
um, in a way that shouldn't have been treated. I've been pulled over and searched, and, mm. and like this, this has happened. Um, I've had so many voices yeah, say yeah, this yeah, to me, me that too. I'm saying, okay, unless unless this is a completely false narrative that all these trusted people have bought mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. Um, which I can't, I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of folks who don't have a lot of African-American friends, mm-hmm. um, they, they just jump to that conclusion, mm-hmm. right? Oh, this is just all, this, this is all a narrative. This yes, is just yeah. the left in their narrative mm-hmm. and, and poor me and Look at all your freedom. You're just you're being ungrateful. And mm-hmm. you know, look at mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, a, a great athlete, mm-hmm. being paid beyond his wildest dreams. What are you complaining about? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can see where people can jump to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then you do see uh, you do have a George Floyd mm-hmm. uh, on camera. You do have other circumstances on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you just know history and yeah. you learn about uh, death row and the inner in, the mm-hmm. um, you know when the genetic testing came out and, and all of these black men were exonerated Tons on death of them, row. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and you, you just, you, you take these stories of history mm-hmm. uh, and you look at the whole account. Mm-hmm. Um, of course there is emotional yeah. flare up. Of course there's overstatement because yes. that this has gone on for so long Yeah, and has not been well addressed and the progress has been slow. Yeah. It's, it's there. We yeah. can point to it, but it's slow. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, good friends telling me, no, this is a real situation, mm-hmm. and and so they're they're trying to latch onto any mm-hmm. indicator that would help the 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 privileged unknowing population to say, look, this is where it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think in that way, there's been a they've done a disservice when they pointed to something that that could be controversial or mm-hmm. um, could be explained away. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still just trying to say, "I well, you're, not, you're just not listening to me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this is the case." Mm-hmm. Um, and I can hear, I can already hear some conservatives lashing back out about what I've said. You know, um, sure, because sure. people are flawed and their perspectives are broken. And of course, yeah, um, yeah. And we can only, I mean, that's true for everybody. And we can only do what we can do. You know, now that you're saying that, it's kind of leaning, it's, it's leaning me more and more toward that this is an appropriate context to protest because. When you say that it's a, uh, you know, you don't want to swing the pendulum too far. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, n- kneeling during kneeling respectfully during the national anthem that doesn't seem like it's too far if you're going to mm-hmm. protest. Right. There, there's much more in your face uh, overreactions than that. That doesn't seem like an overreaction to me. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, these things seem to be so uh, enculturated with our political tribalism. Yes. Yeah. That it's hard to to really discern truth, mm. and um, and I I find that few people want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are just going to camp in their their echo chamber. Their they want to win team. for their side. Yeah, they're going to get in with their tribe and and feel an identity and know, known in that tribe, and then fight for that tribe's narrative, no matter how broken it is, yeah. no matter how it's failing to balance mm-hmm. and failing to understand mm-hmm. and and at least evaluate someone else's point of view. Yeah, and. I think that that is, um, it's a shame. It's superficial. It's, it's a little bit like, I mean, speaking of NFL, it's a little bit like uh, watching a football team. You, you know, you're watching the Redskins. I always liked the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, uh-huh. when I was growing up. Uh, when you're watching your favorite football team, if, if there's a call against you, uh, that it's not necessarily wrong. I mean, yeah. if you're off sides, then you're off sides. And, right. you know, but... What's a terrible call. It's a terrible call. Well, yeah. They show the replay and like, oh, right. how did they do that? Because it's... Yeah, the you know if it's if if they really were offsides, then they were offsides. Right, and then 
that's a great example because that's further complicated by the fact that there are bad calls. There are bad calls. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that all calls against my team right. are wrong. Exactly. And I want a fair game. <laughs> right. I don't want all the calls to be... I just want to win at all costs. I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated when my team go, jumps off sides. But if they do, I should say they jumped off sides. Right. Um, you know, and, and they deserve the penalty. Yeah, cheaters never win. But we've, I think we've got a political system, a political tribalism, that any penalty to my tribe is bad, no matter what. And, that, and the refs giving a penalty to my team, there needs to be an equal penalty to the other team. Otherwise, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 there's almost like it doesn't even matter what the truth is. Right. Right. And that's not, that's not healthy for any of us. That's no. like, uh, you know, an NFL game where it's, it's, you don't care about what, whether they're, what the truth is. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has their opinion. And politics is way more important than NFL. Yeah. 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 Way more consequential to us. You know the nasty way. Opinions are like buttholes. Everybody has one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's the nasty way of saying that. You, you know, people are always going to disagree, and yeah. everyone wants to view life through their lens, yeah. through their filter, through their perspective. Yeah. And I want to challenge people to say, I need to learn. Yeah. What another person is thinking and why mm-hmm. they're thinking it. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? What What are they protesting? That's, that's why I ask those questions when people say, "Oh, I can think about this kneeling." It's so disrespectful. I'm like, "Well, you, do you know, you know, what they're trying to communicate by right. that? Yeah. Do you even know what the motivation is for mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Um, we should at least try to think about that and understand it. Sure. And instead of imposing our uh, symbols upon someone else when the symbols are so plastic that way, right? So I can imagine right. someone saying, "Why are you being? Why are you disrespecting the veterans?" And a person says, I'm not disrespecting the veterans. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. You just kneeled during the flag. It's like the Nova example, right? Why aren't you buying uh, this car? Well, because it says it won't go. Yes, it it does go. Yeah, but the name of it is Nova. Yeah, exactly. What's the problem? Yeah. We're just like not even, you got to put yourself in someone else's frame of of mind. I think, you know, having said all that, I, I think I'm just repeating myself, but obviously, if the intent is to disrespect, are veterans, yes, white, black, and and or whatever, whoever, whomever, yeah. yeah. Um, then I think it's a horrible idea. Terrible, terrible. I mean, it, it, and I do want some sort of unity and national pride. Yes, yes. But it, but it can't be white Christian nationalism. That's different. Yes, right. That's yeah. not the kind of national pride that. Well, and that is based on on so many lies, right? The, right. The fact that it. it if somebody thinks that freedom and justice for all is exactly what we have in this country, it's just a whitewashed version mm-hmm. that's completely blind. Right. And that's not good. You know, I was talking about how we, we enculturate things. Yeah. And, and so, like, the uh, there's various terms that come along. And as soon as the term is identified, mm-hmm. it has a little trendy moment. Oh, right. And then it becomes vilified, and then it loses its uh, luster. And so, like, the idea of being woke, woke. for example. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, uh, I just want you to wake up to see that there are other stories in America than mm-hmm. just the white perspective. Mm-hmm. And those stories have not been so good. I remember my process of waking up that way, uh-huh. which happened a long, long time ago, um, a lot associated with when my uh, parents adopted a black mm-hmm. boy as, a, as my brother. 
And man, that is a process of waking up for me. So yeah, that that's a yeah. great way to describe I, that process. And so I like that idea of being mm-hmm. woke, Absolutely. except now um, wokeness is affiliated with everything leftist. Yeah. And you know, you and I are in, yeah. we're in the middle criticizing the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't I can no longer say that I'm woke because that means something entirely yeah. different. Yeah, that's and right. And now. Everyone on the right has jumped in and, oh, they're woke. They're a bunch of woke people over there. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're liberal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they've come to understand that there are different right. stories in right. America that haven't right. been positive for everyone yeah. like it has been for us. Not everybody's American experience is the same. Yeah, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not a lot of nostalgia. There's just a lot of pain. Right. And they want their voice heard. And they want some. They want th- this experiment to progress right. as it ought yes. toward the ideal. As we have been doing, and yes. they want it to continue. And yeah. if you come to that awareness, mm-hmm. uh, so don't call it being woke now, because mm-hmm. the, the terms get hijacked. So yeah. call it something else. But uh, but then the, that term will get hijacked. It because will. everyone keeps pushing any concept into the left or the right. Right. As if those are our only two options. Right. Um, if, if you kneel in protest, then you're clearly on the left. Mm-hmm. And, if and you, you say, hate veterans. And you hate veterans. Right. And you hate America. Yeah. And you're a spoiled mm-hmm. brat. You're an yeah. ingrate. Totally. Um, and you should be fired on the spot and done away with. Right. Um, and if you support people kneeling or you're actually one who's kneeling, um, then you might view anyone who has that criticism as a, a Christian nationalist, racist. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Whitewashing everything. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, an ignorant, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, this is why everything's so broken. Yeah. Yeah. So here's another relevant question, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think that sports is a proper context to protest politics? Um, that's a good question. I've never really thought about that. Back in that. the Mexico City uh, Olympics, you remember the two guys, the two um, runners, I think they were, uh, African-Americans who, were, who won um, gold and bronze from the United States and they during while the national anthem was playing and they got their gold their their medals uh, gold and bronze they lifted their hands up their their arms up in it with mm-hmm. a fist uh the black fist of power and then uh-huh. lowered their heads um and so they wouldn't look at that and since then and that was a you know really really powerful powerful moment 76 i think it was 1976 anyway since then um the olympic committee has completely banned all political statements during mm-hmm. the Olympics. And mm-hmm. that, for the most part, has held true. And that was the last big political statement during the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not allowed to make those kind of statements in the Olympics. Um, I want to go back to my original statement and say, well, th- th- this, this, is a, um, this is an organization mm-hmm. that can define its terms. Mm-hmm. And if they want to allow all kinds of political statements, mm-hmm. then I guess they could do that and it would be fair for everyone. If they want to disallow them, not allow mm-hmm. them, then, um, then I think they can do that and that's fair for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the, okay, this is about athletic competition, is not about politics. I can yeah. totally respect that. Yeah. Right? I think I, I like that better okay. in watching the Olympics than a whole bunch of political statements. And I don't mm-hmm. even know what's being said because I don't know all the countries in the world and all their issues. Sure. Sure. Um, that would be... Uh, but I can all, I, I could see a point. You know, it's just as long as it's fair. As long right. as we have an understanding of what right. we're we're gonna we're gonna the, the expectation. Mm. And so maybe it maybe it should be a league wide, mm-hmm. um, you know, decree. Uh, if you want to play in this league, mm-hmm. you will stand or you will kneel or you will you know. Uh, you can make political statements in this way, but not yeah. in that way. Yeah, that's uh, hmm. 
Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, I mean, in one way, it's a great venue because people watch and they care and they, you know, it, yeah. So that's the thing that that I, I can understand. I understand what you're saying, but then also somebody like Colin Kaepernick, like he's got a humongous platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, but where is that platform? It's on the field, off the field. Right. You know, maybe somebody's going to cover him. The the diehard sports fans are going to you know retweet whatever he mm-hmm. says, but it's not going to reach the culture the way that it would if it was on the field. Right. And that way, it's it's a really unfair advantage to to make your points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you've been given this privilege of that platform, mm-hmm. and you can you can use it or misuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, for some reason, Charles Barkley popped into my head. Okay. It's like you know, he we had that big debate. You're a role model. No, I'm not a role model. Right. I'll say and do and act the way I want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's not the way. You know, these young boys are looking up to you and emulating you, and, and yeah. you're yeah. you're teaching them something whether you like it or not. Yeah, you are a role model. No, yeah. I'm not a role model. I'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it wasn't even just political; it was just character. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of character are you? You've been elevated to this level of public notice and public love and devotion. What are you going to do with that? But that's related. I think it's very related. Yeah. To to this issue. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess I guess if I had to uh, to make a choice, I would want athletics to be purely about athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, I don't know. You want to push back on that? It's hard. I mean, I, I don't know how to argue that point real well. Yeah. But uh, except to say that I I if there's going to be protesting of some sort, I think kneeling is a great way to do it because it is it is not, in my opinion, it is not very uh in your face Mm -hmm. it's obvious right and clear but it's it's at the same time i think quite respectful in a way that lots of other kinds of protests that you could have could be you know much much worse like you say swinging the pendulum way too far way too far very disruptive or marching on dc and shutting the whole town down right that's yeah that's a protest that is very different but even in sports, like you could, you could write a message on your helmet or something, mm-hmm. or you could, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's all kinds of things you could do. Well, and people, uh, I guess, go to sporting events and hang signs that might True. Be, might say something, and then they maybe they're not allowed to do that now. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was the John three sixteen that used yeah. to always be right. Yep. Yeah. I always wondered about that. What's what's the deal with that? Uh, do you know the story there? No, not at all. Uh, yeah. So there was there was one guy. Who was okay. traveling around doing this, and okay. there may have been a few copies here and there. Yeah, but he he was, um, uh, I think, starting to struggle with a mental illness mm. at some point, where he so badly wanted to get the gospel out. Yeah, that he needed bigger and bigger platforms to to do this. John three sixteen. Yeah, in hopes that people would look up that verse. You know, for yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten mm-hmm. Son, um, that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Yeah. Um, he wanted that gospel message mm-hmm. out no matter what. And what he ended up doing is um, at one point he took some people hostage oh, my. in an office building yeah. and had that sign, that banner uh, on the windows so that when you know the, the news is oh, my goodness. being broadcast about yeah. these hostages. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. So there's clearly some mental illness there. For sure. Um, a heart to get the gospel out that, that just, you know. Sort um, of. I guess, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it started that way maybe. And then maybe. The, mm-hmm. as a mental illness Mm-hmm. came on mm-hmm. uh, ended up with with that kind of delusion that mm-hmm. I just need a bigger and bigger platform to get this message out well, at it, any cost yeah at this message then was no longer really the gospel right. it was it was the uh characters of John 316 yeah 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 um yeah contradictory to mm-hmm. the to the, to good the gospel news is yeah, to take people right. hostage and, and 
you know, terrorize them, basically. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, so that that was the end of that. John hmm. three sixteen. I remember seeing that all the time in sporting events growing up. Yeah. One of my favorite singer songwriters, um, Christian singer songwriters, uh, uh, Steve Taylor, wrote a song about him, I guess, but a song um, called Banner Man. Hmm. And uh, I, maybe it was before uh, he had his mental breakdown. But I, but one of the lines uh, he was uh, saying it's in the song. He basically says this is kind of ridiculous, but okay, maybe he's getting the message out. Uh, I remember one of the lines in the song says uh, he he's not going to change the world, but he knows who can. Hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. Okay. Yeah, um, like it's weird. Like th- that guy's weird. Uh, that's not how I do it. But right. who am I to say? You know, God will use anything. Right. Even that guy. Yeah, but Which back to your fun. question, where yeah. where is the the proper public discourse to um to protest? Um where is the uh, you know if 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 it wasn't athletics, yeah. Um what platform, what venue? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you go to like an award show, yeah. you watch it on TV and yeah. someone wins an award and then they spout some political statement, mm-hmm. right? And most of the time it's an annoyance. Yeah. Because that's not why people are there. Right. Um so when, you know, what would it look like? And it's also not why people are at an NFL game, usually. Right. Yeah. Would it look like a paid commercial? Hmm. You know, like Ross Perot, uh, he, he got a oh, large yeah. percent of the vote on his own dime. That's right. By making his own commercials. Right. You know, like getting getting his message yeah, out. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We're, you and I are old enough to remember that. Yeah. For uh, you kids, that was he was a presidential candidate that ran not as a Republican or as a Democrat. Right. Uh and he lost, but he split the Republican vote, which is one of the reasons that Bill Clinton won uh, the presidency. Yeah, his for his first term. Yeah, and he just he had his own commercials on TV. He did. He just yep. self funded his. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He had humongous ears, if I remember right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Texas businessman. Texas businessman. Lots man. of money. Yeah, right. Wanted right, right. to make a difference. So these people, you're saying maybe the appropriate uh, time is to uh, have commercials that way. Well, you got to be rich to do that. Indeed. Uh, so it's like you, you, there's how do you how do you get a voice? Where's and, the platform? Yeah. And so, w- what if someone is not rich? Do only rich people get to have a platform? Right. And then you have social media, like the organic uh-huh. kind of person to person, and people are free to spout their political mm-hmm. views, and mm-hmm. and they do. Yeah. Um, but, but they often don't not, get a voice. I mean, yeah, that's you know. not. That's only reaching a few people. But that's kind of typical, right? Right. Right. Um, I mean, you could write a book. You could mm-hmm. write an, an editorial in the newspapers the way it used to be done. Mm-hmm. You publish it for common people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people write articles that are passed around the internet. Yeah. That's kind of the the new newspaper. Yeah, that's true. Um, Blog posts. But podcasts. Uh, yeah, podcasts. I, <laughs> you know, back to the original point. I I don't think that I would. If they want to make a a rule about it, uh, mm-hmm. as long as it's consistent. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with him saying you can't do this or you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, either way, makes sense. I do think that I think I'm with you there, but we do need to listen more to what our actions mean and even what our words mean carefully, mm-hmm. and to try and put ourselves in the place of others to understand better. And I think that's for sure. true for everybody. I think it's true for everybody. Yeah. Well, even as I say, it's true for everybody. I think that minority groups, whether that's women because they're not in as much power as men, or any racial group other than whites, or uh, LGBTQ folks, so minority groups like that um, already put themselves in the place 
um, of uh, cis white men, like you and I, mm-hmm. uh, because they have to just to get along with the culture. And folks like us, we tend not to because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's probably more a correction for those who are in the, in the dominant culture mm-hmm. rather than the subdominant. And I think the other side to that mm-hmm. is that uh, as you move toward understanding other people's needs and plights and, mm-hmm. and issues, um, that you... Uh, and you begin to to look at your own context yeah. with critical eyes. Yeah. You get a vantage point, and you're able to to assess mm-hmm. what you've been indoctrinated with. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer is not to jump ship and just get into the other narrative. Correct. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because that's what people do. They're like, oh, yeah. maybe I guess I'm becoming a liberal now, and they just like, oh man, yeah, you know, I'm I'm now woke, and I'm going to become mm-hmm. yes, you know, yes, I'm gonna, yes, yes. I'm going to. This is the only other. I'm yeah. switching tribes. Obviously, I'm switching teams. I was wrong, and yeah. I've been shown wrong, and I see that I'm wrong. So now I have to adopt this other narrative. Yeah, because it's the only one available. And to we me. are here saying they're both right and they're both wrong. There's just, a, there's you pick another your topic, way. and this we need to yeah. There, there's truth on both sides, and there's there's absolutely false things that you know are, are damaging things. Yeah. yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and we don't even understand all those things. We're not you know like experts or something, but. There is, uh, we, we just want to, to find truth. Mm-hmm. And we're suspicious of people who say they have it. Yeah, especially when it fits a, 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 a well-established narrative. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that involves political power. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. Hey, Dave, have you ever heard of Julius Rosenwald? No. He's another one of these guys that I think we need to know about. Uh, He was um, a philanthropist and did some amazing things. Let me tell you a little bit about Julius Rosenwald. Um, He was born while Abraham Lincoln was president. That gives you some context of of when he lived. He's an American. And uh, he um, dropped out of high school uh, because he didn't like it. And he... Uh, was very, very thoughtful and entrepreneurial. And um, by his 30th birthday, he had a pretty large business going in the Chicago area, um, Chicago or New York, I forget which, um, where he um, knew at the time he was he started making ready-made suits to sell to people. Usually you'd have to go... Uh, to a tailor and get fitted. To a tailor and get fitted. So he started doing ready-made off suits. Off-the-rack suits. Exactly. Was he, he was like, the first guy to do this? I think maybe. Um, and so they didn't fit nearly as well, hmm. but it wasn't too bad. Yeah. And so I've never had a tailor-made suit. I, I've no, worn lots neither. of suits, and yeah. it's just off the rack. And he was he was one of the guys that really popularized that and made a ton of money. Okay, so... So he's a guy to blame for all the suits that don't fit the terrible me. suits. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Well, he ran into a guy named Richard Sears. And you may recognize Sears. Sears from Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck, exactly. Uh-huh. And Richard Sears um, was uh, an amazing man. He was a, a much more gifted, highly gifted entrepreneur than uh, Rosenwald was. But he was incredibly disorganized. Hmm. He was a great salesperson, great yeah. at starting things, lots H- of entrepreneurs high, high this personality. way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he, he could sell the vision, but then he couldn't get things done. Right. And so they teamed up. And so then Julius Rosenwald teamed up with Richard Sears, and it was a marriage made in heaven, so to speak, in terms of the business world. And Sears just grew humongous. It was the Amazon 
of its day. Right. Right? And so Rosenwald was in charge of all the day-to-day operations. They, he grew the business, I mean, just phenomenally. They, at one point, they, were, they uh, had 7,000 people working to build things. Um, they had special machines. He invented a special machine that could open letters, um, 27,000 letters an hour, because they were getting so much mail. It was a mail order. Mm. You know, Sears is right. mostly a mail order right. catalog. Uh, catalog. Yeah. Um, he had a system of conveyor belts and pneumatic tubes and color-coded tags and, like, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That, those, that was all his idea. And, in fact, Henry Ford went and toured one of these factories, and that's where he really got most of his ideas to create the um, automated, you know, the, the, yeah. uh, the, the assembly, assembly line. line. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Did you know you could order houses from the Sears Roebuck catalog? What? Yeah. You could order a house... How is that possible? Well, they, I, it was either modular and they shipped it in parts or they, they built it. You know, they came and built it. But That's you would, amazing. Yeah, you'd see the floor plan and maybe some pictures and you'd order your yeah. house. You could order almost anything yeah. from Sears at one point. It was, it was really, it was something else. It was a total redesign of that kind of system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he really, up until that time, you just go into a little store and it's just a mom and pop store, and it was and the overhead was tremendous, and they only could only have a couple things there. And when he started this catalog business, it, it really revolutionized. I mean, it, Amazon yeah. really is a direct descendant of this guy. You know, I, I I'm thinking about the the Sears catalog. Yeah, and uh, the the one that would come out around Christmas time. Yeah, and how it was uh-huh. me, I, I love that thing. I would flip through it page after page, you know, just drooling over yes. all these toys. Oh man, I would <laughs> take a pen and circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and star things that my, uh-huh. for my parents to look at. Yeah, the thing that I remember there that I love so much was some go karts. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they had uh, like two different models of go karts, and I, and I, when I, I never yeah. got one. Yeah, at the top of my Christmas list, my entire life, the number one item I wanted was a dune buggy. Yeah, there you go. I never got one, but I asked every year. Every year that we made a list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so this, guy, so he he built this company, and in 1908 he got kind of bored. He always liked new adventures and new challenges or whatever, because. At that time, Sears was going well, and he had people under him. It was a massive company, and there wasn't a whole lot to tackle. And he had made an enormous amount of money, of course. He was ridiculously, fabulously wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so he turned his attention toward philanthropy. Good for him. And um, Need more of that, people. We do. We need more of that. And um, he, he did because he was... Uh, there's lots of people who wrote about him, but he was an amazing person of great character. Um, Forbes, B.C. Forbes, who uh, Forbes magazine, right, um, wrote about him in a 1916 article. He said this, The most notable thing about Julius Rosenwald is not any superhuman business ability, nor any phenomenal smartness in seeing and seizing mercantile opportunities. The greatest thing about Julius Rosenwald is not his business, but himself. Not what he has but what he is, his character, his personality, mm-hmm. his sincerity, his honesty, his democracy, his thoughtfulness, his charity of heart, his catholicity of sympathy, hmm. his consuming desires to help the less fortunate of his fellow creatures. Yeah. Um, and there, were, there are lots and lots of quotes like that about who he was as a person. Well, Was he a man of faith? Did you? He was. He yeah. was Jewish. He was okay. a Jewish man. Yeah, and that is a lot of the impetus for his his charity. Uh-huh. Um, during the summer of 1910, he read the autobiography of Booker T. Washington. 
Okay. And it had a massive impact impact on him, and so much so that he said, "I got to meet this guy." And so he did. They they got together and they formed a, a friendship that would last the rest of both of their lives. And um, that that really changed his philanthropy in lots of ways. He gave money to all kinds of things. But one of the things he did is he gave it to uh, the Tuskegee Institute, uh-huh. where Washington was. And um, he just gave a massive amount of money to the Tuskegee Institute. And Booker T. Washington, he set aside, he used some of the money to launch a new experiment um, uh, of building new schools, elementary and high schools, in Alabama, where there was l- very little or no education um, in those areas because they were rural and they were black. Mm-hmm. And so he built elementary and high schools in rural black Alabama. So, Alabama. Yeah. yeah. And it, it did so well um, that that they, they, they wanted to do more and more and more there. Um, there, was, there was almost no schooling for, for black people at that time, especially in the rural areas. And so um, he, in his lifetime, he built about 5,000 schools wow. in these rural areas. Um, just about every southern locale with a significant black population had one of these Rosenwald schools. And that's a, mm-hmm. I recently went to, to tour one in Alabama. I was in Alabama, in Alabama just happened to come yeah. across one. That's where I learned about this guy. Um, as a school that was still existing, was it a, like a log cabin, single no, room? It was um, no, it was much. It was large. It had uh, nine classrooms, something okay. like that, um, and it was still being used as a school. It okay. had been redone, but it brick it and mortar. Just, uh, part of it was brick and mortar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things he not only was he very generous, but he was also very innovative in his philanthropy. So he was one of the very first that made it, ne- when he would donate a school and fund it, he wanted to make sure that the people who were going to be using the school, the neighborhood there, would put money in and include their own sweat equity in building it. And mm. he would refuse to give any money until that happened. Mm-hmm. He also wanted to make sure that they could get a quali- qualified teachers in there to teach. Right. He didn't want just anybody. He didn't want to have a building and then it just never used for education. And so it was it, uh, pretty amazing that he... Uh, how can I say? Um, he wanted to make sure that they and and they did. And people, there's stories of like um, chicken dinners and all, all the various things to raise money because these are poor rural blacks in the late 1800s. I mean, there's just yeah. they have almost nothing. But he like okay, I'm not going to give you the money until you come up with X number of dollars. And they scraped and scraped and scraped to get it, and and, and it worked. It worked really really well. The, a lot of those schools. Um, stood for for many many decades and are largely responsible for uh the education of so many blacks in the south mm-hmm. so you just wanted them to buy into the correct to, to and own that correct. space as their community school and that their blood sweat and tears have gone into this they're going to make this work yes going to educate their kids and better their lives that's exactly right uh-huh. he said that that was a, a super important thing um that and uh anyway yeah, just um, he also, um, in all of his ph- philanthropy projects, he had accountability. He had he, he said, "I want to know if this money is effective." He was measuring: is my money effective? Mm-hmm. And so he would have certain ways of like, okay, what's how do I determine if it's effective? He would have that all set out beforehand: how he's going to measure its effectiveness. Right. 
And if it was effective, he'd pour more money into it in the same way or try and tweak it so that it becomes yeah. more effective. And that's why these schools were where he started placing more and more and more of his money. Sounds like a real so effective. systematician, huh? Very much so. Very much so. And a lot of those things are now being incorporated into philanthropy now. Hmm. Um, at, but he was really the first one to do that. Yeah. 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 He was. He came at a time when uh, some of the other people who were re- fabulously wealthy were more are more well known. Um, so like the Rockefellers, and Carnegie, Carnegie, and yeah. all like that. Um, and part of the reason is because, uh, first of all, he gave so much of his money away and didn't allow it to c- accumulate. But also, when he would he would give money to a certain project, he would say it. Uh, he would say, you've got five years to use up this money to do what it's supposed to do, and I want it to gone. I want it gone. So he has no foundation anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not doing any good anymore because he didn't let things sit. He wanted to, like, we've got to do good with this money right now. It right. is immoral to just sit on this money, where the others uh, w- were more likely you know, to give away 1% of their foundation and just let the rest of it grow. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, and then that 1% becomes more and more, and, you know, we can debate about, uh, you know, what all that means. Uh, morally, but that was kind of his his thing. He funded um, 22 YMCA's um, for blacks during the segregated era. He funded a third of the litigation costs of Brown versus Board of Education. Um, he was the the largest donor for, to the University of Chicago for a very long time. Um, I mean, he just he's an amazing person that yeah. that I didn't know about until I went to this school and saw that in, he was still in being Southern used. Alabama. In this was in northern Alabama, but oh. it was still being used. Yeah, one of the Rosenwald schools. Yeah, yeah, and I was gl- very glad to learn about him. He's a very interesting person. Thanks very for bringing innovative. that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll discuss whether or not airplane barf bags are large enough to really be effective. (laughs) That's a great topic. I'm sure you want, you know, someone who needs to listen to that show. Be a pal. Tell them about the show and send them a link. And if they still don't listen, set their phone to the Japanese language only. Oh, yeah. Or you could be sure to subscribe and follow. You don't want to miss any episodes about Japanese phones. That's true. The Hopper Podcast is produced with the help of Tiny Kangaroos. <laughs>